Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> what is up, y'all? It is Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for listening, and welcome to a special edition of Hump Day Bloggerama, the year end special. It's not just a year end special. I'm also treating this as the one year anniversary. I did the first one in January of last year. So it's also the one year anniversary of Hump Day Bloggerama. And it's also, I did the first Thought Eater podcast first week of January, so we're also celebrating a year, a year of the Thought Eater podcast. Big day. I'm going to be out of town traveling and uh, you know doing stuff for the holidays over the next couple of weeks, so this is the last show of the year. Hump Day Blogorama Show is a weekly tour around the RPG blogosphere. I talk about stuff I spot going on here on the podcast, and then I put up all the links for you at the Thought Eater blog. You can just Google Thought Eater blog or go to frothsofdnd.blogspot.com. And just to say a couple things, uh, you know, on this occasion, I've got some special stuff for the show today. Looking back at my favorite posts of the year, uh, some year end stuff, things like that. If all goes well on the app here, I've got a special guest, Rob C from the legendary anchorite from the down in a heat podcast, joining me on the final topic. Rob joined me a few weeks ago. I had so much fun doing it. I asked Rob back. Um, I'm happy to say he said, yes, we'll see if I can make it work. I hope I can, (laughs) but I just want to say what a pleasure, what fun it has been doing this show over the last year. My real goal with starting the podcast was to have fun, number one, and that is, uh, I'd say I've achieved it. When I started doing the Hump Day show, I really wanted to celebrate the bloggers, share cool stuff with other people, and it was my hope that other people would enjoy it. It was my hope, you know, my biggest hope was that people would see some cool stuff and try to kind of build the, help build the blog scene back up a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, to anybody that's checked out the show, left a kind message, let me know they enjoyed it, retweeted it, shared it, um, found a new blog from it, left me a message, backed my Patreon, whatever it is, to all of y'all, I want to tell you thank you very much. And I want to just give a thanks to the blogosphere in general for giving me such inspiration and making this show so much fun to do. So I've had a great time doing it. I'm hoping to bring y'all many more. And uh, I'll tell you, going back through and looking looking through all these episodes and uh, and all these blog posts of this, there's tons of stuff that that I've forgotten. I mean. You look at one of these episodes and it can be overwhelming, but you go back over the whole year and it's, it's the only words I, you know, the only thing I can think to say about it is it was awe inspiring and I'd forgotten more than I remembered and it's just endless. And, uh, from the fantastic maps to the creative random tables to all the free stuff, all the cool products that came out this year, all the innovative tips and tricks people came up with, the miscellaneous posts, all the posts that made you think and want, made me want to share my opinions and, and everything. It, uh, it was quite a year, quite a year indeed. So lots to get to. 
Got a couple of messages first. We're going to hear from Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, talking a little bit, a little bit of leftover conversation we had last week about uh, the D and D movie, as well as the final topic where I was talking about, uh, well, I'll call it a disdain, my disdain for session zero, particularly any session zero where you're not going to play. Uh, and then Rob C also gave me a call on the session zero stuff, and of course we'll hopefully, fingers crossed hear from Rob again later on the final topic. So take it away, gentlemen. Hey, Froth Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Conquest, trash, come on now. You had like the Wolven Henchman. You had the Bow and Arrow, like from the D&D cartoon. Yeah, Conquest is pretty bad. And, and one of the other issues Conquest is most of the copies are really, really dark. So it's kind of hard to see, but I don't know. I have a real soft place in my heart for Fulci. Um, we, we ought to talk schlock movies sometime because I'm also an aficionado of, of schlock and exploitation movies. But that's neither here nor there. Session Zero. I agree with you. And that's where these newer games come in. Look at the Black Hack. You can make a character for the Black Hack in minutes. So you can do Session Zero, make a character, and play a game without a problem. So if you're going to do a session zero and you're playing something like the black hack, you can do it all in one session. My two cents. Froth. It's Rob from the heap. My experience with session zeros has been similar to your, to yours. It's a big fat zero. Um, I've run one, been a part of a couple others. I never really heard about them until I heard, uh, people talking about them on podcasts. Now, Sometime in last year or early this year, it seemed to become a, a really big topic. And I just think it's largely unnecessary if, if the DM just would send out a big document with any rules changes they're doing, with setting information, with expectations, if they want to have them on there. Just do that and get down to playing when you get together. Especially if it's uh, something that has involved character creation, just do pre-gens. Play, don't just sit and gab. Do that offline. Do that away from the table. Well, gentlemen, thanks for calling in. I don't don't disagree with you. Um, you know, I think even when I have yeah more comp- something more complicated than say the black hack, I like to try to um, either do a pre-gen or if we're gonna roll them, I've talked before a long time ago now, I guess, but. When I'm doing something like Call of Cthulhu, for example, you know, the the equipment list could be anything in the world, you know? I mean, anything that's available at any store in the 1920s, you know? So, I don't want to mess with that. I don't want to mess with some long, drawn-out thing. Um, so, I just look at what the occupations are and say, if it makes sense, you know, you've got it, you know? If you're a doctor, you got doctor stuff. If you're a... Uh, gumshoe, private detective, you've got a pistol, you know? Uh, I just, I don't know. There's times when I don't like to hand wave, but there's times when I do. And I'll, I like to hand wave to get the game rolling. And, uh, but you know, I, I'm also, I'm just froth. So I'm sure other people have gotten something out of it. You know, that's why it was a discussion. That was why it was, it was an opinion piece. Um, for me, I just, uh, an entire session devoted to just talking, it just makes me start Jones and wanting to play. So 
So anyway, that's what that was about. Well, um, about to get started. The last thing I want to say is I want to thank a lot of Anchorites and other folks that have messaged me with their New Year's gaming resolutions. That is going to be my big kind of kick off the year show. I'm um, still looking for people. If you want to leave me a message, you can use the Anchor app to do so, or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash thought eater. And there's a little button there that'll say message. And if you've got a headset or microphone or whatever on your computer, you just click that, leave me a message, let me know what your plans are for the new year, what you're looking forward to, what you want to do differently, any kind of New Year's gaming resolution, and I'll put it on the show. With that said, let's get cracking with the top posts of the year, the year, the year. All right, so like I mentioned, I, I went back through all of the blog posts, everything for uh, over the year to try to pick out what I felt were my favorite my favorite posts of the year. And, uh, <laughs> there was so much stuff I'd forgotten about. I, I mean, I could have picked so many things and these were just ones that, you know, even though I'm far away from, in some cases from having looked at them, they're ones that really had stuck in my mind and stuck with me for a while. So I thought I'd start with a map, what I consider the map of the year, uh, because I usually start with the maps, you know, if not the, as the first topic, then towards the first topic. And I'm starting over one that kind of started it all, the Icosahedro map over at the Break Tabletop RPG dev blog for the Break RPG. BreakRPG.blogspot.com. Uh, yeah, so this is one where, I mean, it's world maps for this game that you can fold up into, you know, basically like a D20 shape. And they may not be, you know, Grey Wizard and them might not be the, the first people to ever come up with it. Uh, Reynaldo, Madrignan, and Grey Wiz working on this game. But uh, it was the first time I'd seen it, and it's still the best. I've seen other people kind of come up with stuff like this, and uh, th these are still the coolest. So little, just, just a legendary cool idea. And then for the book to go along with each kind of triangular shape of the of the map um this is one that uh, i'll never forget i haven't looked at this is one where you know you, you almost feel like a kid again looking at this being like oh man cool you know <laughs> you know where a middle-aged man gets that kind of kid feeling wanting to fold this sucker up and check this game out so i had to go with that for my my, my map of the year and i mean i look back through all the maps and there's so many amazing ones but this one really stuck to me so uh stuck with me Another post that, that I still think about is from Ezra Bloom's Rose and Kingfisher blog, roseandkingfisher.blogspot.com. Their Bard Spells post from back in February of, of uh, 2019. This one, I just love the idea because bards are historically a class that I do not play. I'm just not into them. Nothing against anybody that, that likes them. It's just not something I, you know, I've ever enjoyed, but this made me want to play one because the whole idea is that a bard is just kind of inherently magical. They don't even hundred percent know they're doing magic. Uh, they don't really cast spells or use magic. Magic just kind of happens around them. Uh, and so, you know, like animal friendship spells, like animals just automatically like them. Now, I mean, it takes a little metagame kind of approach to the character, to the character. Um, but, um, to play if you play this the right way with with this you know you're telling the gm obviously that you're casting the spell but you're you're role playing it in a, in a completely different way as if stuff's just happening i thought this was brilliant 
this is just a, a great post uh, from Ezra Bloom over there, and that's a great blog just in general. So if you want to see uh, a cool take on the bard, that's at roseandkingfisher.blogspot.com. One of the great ideas of the year is at ktraysblog.d4caltrups.com blog. K-Tray blessed us with many random tables over the year, but this one was about an idea to do a monster manual in the style of these old safari cards that were like a teaching um, tool that uh, people, at least in my generation and before, will remember from their classrooms where it'll have a, a, an animal, um, a little information about them, and then kind of like little maps, like a regional map and, and a climate, you know, kind of... Uh, uh, what would you call it, biome sort of map, uh, kind of animals that they're related to and stuff, and, and just a layout like this, uh, the way the information is presented, just a, a, an awesome idea to uh, to do a monster manual this, this way. No one's done one yet. Someone can make a killing on Kickstarter with it. It's not going to be me, but this is one that I just thought was just a brilliant idea that, that has definitely stuck with me over the years. I mean, over the year at D4 Caltrips. So this next one, I had originally attributed when I put it on the hump day to Flintlocks and Witchery blog, but it turns out in the small print, I didn't even notice, having read it, at the very, very bottom in like a smaller font, it indicated that it was copying it, you know, or reposting it from the chronicled scribblings of the itinerant overlord blog, csio.blogspot.com, EOTB's blog. And this was just a great post, my personal rules as a player. And so many times on this show and on other shows, it comes up, you know, what are some great tips, how to be a great player, how to be a good player. And there's been a lot of discussion and everything. And nowhere have I ever seen a better rundown of, uh, of how to be a great player than on this, on this post. Things like not hoarding your, your magic items and spells. Uh, I do not hoard my wow bangs, is how it phrases it. Helping other players have big moments. Spend your damn money. Uh, pay attention. Be ready to roll. Contribute to the game world. Be versatile. Um, and, and it's all written with a lot of creativity and humor. It's one to really read no matter what game you play. Love this post. It's, uh, it's kind of uh, um, the player's Bible in a way is the way I read it. Or if somebody said, hey, what are some tips on being a, a good player? I, I would just link them over to this post. My personal rules as a player at the chronicled scribblings of the itinerant overlord. There were so many good free products. I thought uh, I, there was, there were many that I almost went with, uh, um, some small things, some, uh, you know, you know, entire games, but, uh, I decided to go with the smallest of them all. Nate Treem over at, uh, natetream.com. Uh, of the Highland Paranormal Society of Tunnel Goons fame and a, and a lot of cool stuff. This one was one that really stuck in my mind. Let's see if it's got a date from what, this was back in June. Wander, a business card RPG. So talk about small. It's a full RPG on the front and back of a little business card. And it's a definitely a playable game. It was very cool, very innovative. There's even a couple of hacks that are, you know, just on the blog post with it. I've got an image of of uh of of what the what it looks like so i thought for for, for free stuff this one just stuck in my mind to have the little complete kind of game that you can play or easily hack uh on a business card so i just thought that was an awesome innovative post one that um was really memorable for me
And so I thought I'd also mention too that I saw Nate got interviewed over at NZS Games. I've got a link up for this, nonzerosumgames.com. They did an interview uh, with Nate about Nate's work, which is all uh, just great stuff. So, so anyway, those are, um, like I say, I could have put a lot more in it, but uh, and these might seem like unconventional posts or something that, to, to somebody or, or strange picks. I, I don't know what, what other people's perspectives would be. When I, but when I look back through every single blog post and everything, these are ones that really just kind of captured the magic of the blogs to me. So anyway, those are my posts of the year. Over from breakrpg.blogspot.com, rosenkingfisher.blogspot.com, blog.d4caltrips.com, csio.blogspot.com, and natream.com. Congratulations. So another thing I did over the year was induct uh, four different blogs into the Hump Day Blogorama Hall of Fame. And uh, I think four a year is about right. I've already got one in mind that's uh, maybe you know overdue to put in um, in January, but I just wanted to look back at these, especially in case there's some new listeners that maybe you know haven't heard the whole back catalog or or didn't hear these. Celebrate them one last time. Uh, these are just blogs that I felt like uh, are, are are legendary, you know, of the things of legend, and are great, just amazing blogs to follow. Some of them don't update update anymore. But they, uh, they, they cast a long shadow. And uh, so anyway, just to go over briefly the, uh, the four Hall of Fame inductees we had over the year. Mesmerized by Sirens. Mesmerized by Sirens.blogspot.com. Uh, I forget what they, uh, the Catacomb Librarian. And this is one that uh, you want to talk obscure RPG artifacts. Uh, that's what this site is all about. So if you like looking for the strange of the strange, uh, stuff you may have never heard of, like the Starstone um, fantasy roleplay supplement, uh, Spawn of Fashan, um, Bifrost, um, just uh, you know the odd of the odd, the obscure of the obscure. That's what this site is all about. Mesmerized, mesmerized by com. Congrats again to the, the catacomb librarian over there. Chris Tam needs no introduction. Elfmaids and Octopi, Elfmaids and Octopi.blogspot.com. Like I mentioned when I I've talked about this blog, still one of the least you know most underrated, underappreciated bloggers out there consistently imaginative and creative in ways that, uh, that is stunning. Um, and, uh, you know, prolific, so many random tables, but it's not just the random tables, also amazing, uh, free, uh, downloads, amazing setting materials and everything. A wonderful patron, uh, patron, uh, that, uh, that, uh, Chris does as well. So elfmates and octopi.blogspot.com legendary site. Speaking of legendary sites, Grognardia, of course, the the blog that to launch a thousand blogs, kind of like the Velvet Underground uh, was for music. Uh, James Malashevsky's um, often imitated um, uh, master masterpiece of a blog uh, that led so many people um, back into gaming, back into old school gaming. What else can you say about it? It's just classic. You can click to just any of the, you know, thousands of posts on there and find something interesting. And then finally, Christopher Stogdall's Frugal GM. 
you can spend a lot of money in this hobby or you can go to sites like the frugal gm and find all kinds of cheap or free resources to play your games and uh the Frugal GM does it great, always has something interesting over there, something cheap, something free, a way that you can um, enhance your game without spending a lot of money. Love the Frugal GM, that's at frugalgm.com. So once again, congrats to, uh, I don't know if any of them will ever hear this, but <laughs> congrats to them for uh, their great work. Thank you for your work, and um, so that is the year's uh, hump day bloggerama hall of famers all right so the last piece of kind of like end of the year type stuff um now i'm sure a lot more will be coming out in the next couple of weeks and I, I just will i'll just will miss it or maybe i'll catch some of it and have it uh when i come back you know we'll be back uh january the 8th but uh there were a couple of year in miscellaneous posts that i thought i'd share one that I thought was really good is called Best D&D Gifts, A Guide for 2019. If you're still looking for some stuff, uh, you know, you've got a few more days, I guess. But ArcaneEye.com, Best D&D Gifts, A Guide for 2019. They got everything from dice, rule books and supplements, dice rolling trays, podcast stuff, battle maps, miniatures, apparel, microphones, webcams, everything you can think of, no matter who you are, uh, it's got some ideas here. So I thought this was a kind of a great post. If you're looking for last minute stuff for your GM, hint, hint. Uh, anyway, that's at arcaneeye.com. Then an interesting post over at Geek Native, geeknative.com. The other best-selling fantasy RPGs of 2019. It says the other best-selling because you obviously know what the best-selling was. D&D 5e had another incredible year. Um, I, I'm imagining Pathfinder 2E having launched a new edition came in there somewhere in a distant second, but then looking at what the other ones were or what else sold well. And now this is just going by, um, drive through, you know, one bookshelf, uh, stats, but, uh, I was kind of, uh, found this interesting. Um, Shadow Run was the next one. Now I know that some games don't sell PDFs like, uh, Star Wars, uh, Fantasy Flight Games, Star Wars, for example. I know they don't sell PDFs, and I'm sure there's some others. So this is really looking at, you know, PDFs on drive-thru. Uh, but um, still, Shadowrun, the 6th edition. Uh, now, I read mixed reviews of it, uh, you know, the, particularly the editing um, from Catalyst, something they get criticized a lot for, but there it is. Uh, also coming in number two on this list of the other fantasy RPGs, Changeling the Lost, second edition. Another one I'm kind of surprised to see. Uh, Invisible Sun from Monty Cook Games. We've talked about that here. Kind of a boutique, definitely expensive side. I believe just the PDF was a hundred bucks. Uh, you've got some stuff from Legend of the Five Rings up here. Um, let's see, Warhammer for, uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, fourth edition. Now, some of these are source books, but those are the games that you can kind of see uh, getting uh, supported. But anyway, um, um, yeah, so uh, it asks the question here, um, what does this say about the hobby? Is D&D so dominant that other RPGs need to find their own niches and significantly diff different settings to compete? Well, yeah, I mean, they do. Um I think so. Uh, I mean, unless you're like a legacy game, like something like Warhammer Fantasy, where you had a lot of fans in the background. 
I mean, really, a lot of OSR and everything, it, it, it really is just basically, I mean, it's, it's just another form of, you know, flavor of D&D. So, um, I think to, uh, I think it's possible that some other fantasy game will come along, you know, kind of sword and sorcery sort of fantasy game will come along and knock, you know, knock over D&D. I mean, anything's possible. But it's it's highly unlikely that that will ever happen. The fantasy, uh, the whole fantasy area has been dominated by D and D for decades and decades, and and probably all, always will be. So, I mean, even when you look at these other kinds of uh, styles of games and everything, a lot of them will use you know this carbon twenty one eighty five or whatever it is is really popular uh right now getting a lot of interest as a cyberpunk game but it's built on D D five e so even when you get into the other genres of games you, you can't necessarily get away from from D D. so anyway just a couple of uh you know interesting kind of year-end posts uh seasonal year-end posts i thought you might want to check out the map segment of Hump Day Blogorama is proudly brought to you by Frank Turfler, legendary anchorite of Frank T's Liner Notes. I've been backing Frank T's Patreon for a while. High quality, full color, world class battle maps, sci-fi, fantasy, and otherwise. Innovative print and paste terrain that brings your table to life. Multiple support tiers, including a commercial tier, which will allow you to use Frank T's creations in your own commercial projects. You can sample some of the quality of the work by looking for Frank's Free Map Friday posts. So whether you are a creator that is looking for some cartography for a new project, whether you are a GM gaming online or in person at the table, or you're just like Froth, a map junkie, and you can't get enough of this stuff. Go right now to patreon.com forward slash Frank T and check it out. All right. So just a couple of things uh, for the maps today. I did so much at the front end of this show. Um, I'm trying to just kind of speed through everything else a little bit. So I don't end up with a two hour show on my hands. But um, first thing wasn't from a blog at all. It was from legendary anchorite Colin Green of the Spike Pit podcast over on the discord where a lot of us that uh, do anchor podcasts hang out they posted this uh, image knowing that i enjoy it and it's a uh, it's a couple of fully grown adults uh you know probably between five and six foot tall standing next to a book that's uh, at least six feet tall with this huge map of italy on it um so i don't know what the deal with this is this book but uh, it's the biggest book of maps i've ever seen so take a look at this image and see what you think about that and then the only other thing, and there was some other stuff I saw, but the only other thing that I was going to mention today as far as the maps, why mention anything else uh, when you guys get a look at this image. So this was over from uh, the Cartographer's Guild, the world of Zalik, Kraut Potato. Um, after years, they say they're finally satisfied with the, res the result, the world map for their novel. And, uh, you all. Know, I've seen some great looking maps in my day, but this is one that looks, I mean, it looks like it could have, been, you know, be something out of, you know, history from the, you know, done by a master, you know, a master artist or master cartographer in the 16, 1700s or something. It's got both sides of the globe. It's got all the Zodiac stuff. It's got, it's illuminated with, uh, you know, drawings and the margins and everything. And it's one you just have to see. It's, um, 
about as good as a map can look and for this person to have done the map themselves for their for their novel it's uh, it's incredible so last thing i want to say just as far as the map since it's the year-end thing you know it's been fun looking at all these rpg cartographers and everything uh, over the year all this talent uh, being surrounded by this this talent uh, is, 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 is it's 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 just been fun and um uh, Going back and looking through everybody's maps is unbelievable. And I wanted to give a special shout out to Frank T. Uh, Frank T's liner notes, patreon.com forward slash Frank T. Not just because pa uh, Frank supports the program and sponsors the map segment, but Frank, uh, very early on when I started doing the hump days, uh, was really supportive of it, really enjoyed it and uh, and everything. So Frank, want to want to just let you know how much I appreciate you and, and appreciate uh, you supporting the program over the last year. So thank you. All right, some reviews and retrospectives to blow through for y'all. I'm going over to White Box and Beyond, whiteboxandbeyond.blogspot.com, Fred Daniels' blog. Uh, this is a post called If Advanced Chainmail Existed. It's about a game I'm not familiar with, Spellcraft and Swordplay. Uh, from Jason Vay, uh, which the author refers to as a nostalgia game that does not seek to emulate an older edition of D&D, but rather to envision how the game might look today had its development followed a different path, that of 2D6 added together rather than D20. So kind of an advanced chainmail sort of deal. And uh, interesting because just recently I did a 5-Minute Friday talking about Melu Blood and Bone, which uh, uses nothing but D6 d6s and it didn't occur to me i didn't even think at that time that that maybe they were uh looking to do the same sort of thing like a advanced sort of chain mail um but uh, i don't know if that's true or not but here's another game uh uh taking that angle with the uh with the d6 mechanic throughout it and uh this is kind of a good little overview that gives you an idea about it so spellcraft and swordplay i might have to check that one out that's over at whiteboxandbeyond.blogspot.com Legendary Anchorite Chuck Thorin does the Playing It Wrong podcast. They also do the They Might Be Gazebos blog. They Might Be Gazebos blog. They're doing a video um, kind of unboxing or video walkthrough of the new Tegel Manor uh, from Frog God Games, and uh, I just got mine in the mail as well. I got. I originally went for the five E version, but then I thought I'll never play it. And I'm, never run it so i went with the swords and wizardry and um i haven't dug too deeply into it but um it's greatly expanded it was the kind of thing where i didn't had kind of mixed feelings but had to back it anyway you know tegel manor is such a classic um uh, but to just do a re straight reprint would be kind of pointless i guess uh, given that there's already reprints and stuff of it out there so um but like you know i've got an open mind and I certainly backed it. So Tackle Manor is one of my favorite modules of all time. So if you want to see what that's all about, that's over at they might be gazebos.blog, a little video to, to walk you through it and let you look at the book. Then I love this blog, the OSR Grimoire blog, Paleo Logos, osrgrimoire.blogspot.com. I've been hyping this one since I first noticed it. It's, it's, it is really fantastic. And, uh, and anyway, um, so warriors of Mars, uh, the Warfare of Barsoom in Miniature. I was talking recently about, uh, I'm not super familiar with, um, with, uh, with, uh, um, Edgar Rice Burroughs, uh, John Carter books, you know, uh, but 
this is still an interesting artifact. The uh, Warriors of Mars rules that Gygax and Bloom did back in 74. And what I liked about this, it was just a really well done post. So it talks about um, the history behind the book, breaks down the sections of the book, uh, and gives you a bunch of information about it. So this is one of those, you know, kind of artifacts of gaming, early TSR. Actually, I guess this, yeah, it is TSS. It is TSR. Um, six months after D&D came out, it says. So it's, um, uh, and anyway, it's got a bunch of links. Um, it's got uh, links to check out the heritage miniatures that these were, this game was made for. Actually, it says that Gygax stated the project was done at the request of the firm, which originated the miniature figures for this singular aspect of wargaming, which was Hinch, Hinchliff models that later became heritage models. So Hinchliff models became heritage models. And it's got, uh, um, links over to this Edgar Rice Burroughs zine that's got the early Hinchliff miniatures for this, which are just amazingly crude and awesome. <laughs> beyond crude and beyond awesome. So this is just one to, to take a look at and dig into. I, actually, I need to I need to add one of these miniature images to the uh, to the post. You have to be kind of seen seen to be believed. But anyway, great post over there at uh, OSR Grimoire, Grimoire, as always, on the Warriors of Mars, Warfare of Barsoom and Miniature. And a really cool review, another kind of retro review at rollingboxcars.com, looking at the old Ghostbusters game from West End Games. Kind of the originator of dice pool games, uh, uh, Dan, Daniel Stack over, over there reviewing it. And, uh, this is another one I want to get my hands on. I just got to show my daughter Ghostbusters recently and she really enjoyed it. You know, she's finally old enough to start watching some of all this stuff with me. She's eight and it's not necessarily that stuff would have scared her or anything like that, but it's also just like for it to hold her interest or for her not to be asking who's that, what's that the whole time, you know, these kind of things, you know, she, but she, she got into it and enjoyed it. And that's right around the age little younger than you know younger than i was but right around the age when 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 the game when the movie came out for me and uh, i just love that movie and so a look at how the mechanics and everything like that worked in it so if you you're into that old ghostbuster stuff that old d6 stuff from west end games you can check that out it's over at rollingboxcars.com all right some free stuff the ever popular free stuff uh let's talk about this real quick first thing i just want to mention is the D&D Dragon magazine. Now, Dragon is just online only right now. And uh, I was pretty critical or just, you know, not a fan when they first started doing the online magazine. Um, it, and not because it's going to be just, you know, basically a big, you know, advertising for, for wizard stuff. I mean, that makes sense. But it was just kind of like there was nothing to keep. There was nothing to have. There wasn't a ton of stuff to, to use. But they've slowly gotten better. They really have. Uh, to where each issue now will have some downloadable stuff. Sometimes it's from older Dragon magazines. Sometimes it's free adventures. Sometimes it's free stuff from the DMs Guild or whatever. Or maps, walkthrough maps. It's it's improved. In the last few, um, you know, the last several uh, issues. I think it comes out every, you know, bi-monthly, maybe something like that. 
Um, so anyway, I got a link up to that. Now, it doesn't play very well with my uh, VPN and, and um, um, ad blockers and stuff all the time. Sometimes I have to shut that stuff off to be able to download the PDFs and everything. But if you haven't looked at it in a while, you know, scroll through it. Take a look at it. Uh, I think it's worth looking at. So I thought I'd just mention that because I, I was I was downloading the stuff from the recent one uh, here a few days ago, and I was just thinking, you know, this will it's gotten better. It has. So check that out if you haven't. But all right, so I'm starting over at Dead Cyclops, deadcyclops.blogspot.com, Mad Moses blog. They did a, a, a free download here called Nurgle's Followers Crypt. Nurgle's Followers Crypt is a free, micro-sized, low-level Barrowmore Crypt for use with Barrow Maze or as a small set piece in your campaign or hex crawl. So, uh, and it's statted out for DCC, but you know you can use it with anything. So, free download there. Nurgle's Followers Crypt. That's at deadcyclops.blogspot.com. A little five E stuff from the middle finger of Vecna. Mfov.magehandpress.com. They do a bunch of great stuff constantly coming out i mean they've done hundreds of things uh, in the lifetime of 5e this is the circle of the mantis a druid circle uh they believe the natural world's in danger they need to fight to defend it they emulate combat techniques used by animals so the circle of the mantis free pdf druid circle over at the middle finger of vecna blog another 5e full class this time at bando's homebrew blackbando.wordpress.com the afflicted so this class is uh, basically they've been cursed, and uh, so that's the affliction, and it's got a, you know, a full class. So what can you say? It's got everything you need on there. We want to check that out. That's over at Bando's Homebrew. Skirples over at the Coins and Scrolls blog, coinsandscrolls.blogspot.com. They've been highlighting this monster overhaul uh, product they're working on, and it said it will contain a few very very basic dungeons and they've got a free pdf kind of a preview deal with a generic cult lair and a generic wizard tower uh, using dyson logos maps so that's a pdf you can download looks looks like enough you know gaming material for you know a couple of adventures or to get your adventures uh you know to help build your own adventure so generic cult lair generic wizard tower at coins and scrolls.blogspot.com Finally, on the weird stuff, this is over at the Chaos Magic User blog, Magic User with a K, magicuser.wordpress.com. They mention a tome of weird artifacts. They say it's free, but you can give them a tip if you want. Links over to their itch.io page. And this is kind of a cool collection of some odd um, um, OSR, you know, magic items and stuff that you can use for uh, just about any, any of the games. Um, so anyway, free PDF there with some cool magic items. All right, so the most ridiculous free thing uh, I'm going to link y'all to today is the Atlas of Titan. This is a, how many pages is this? 380-page atlas collecting all these maps from the fighting fantasy world. Uh, So, yeah. Um, And now that's from the outspace.fightingfantasy.net website. And I found this actually from a cool series from James West. James V. West does the Doom Slakers blog. And they've been doing this series. I've got three of the links that hopefully they'll continue doing it called That RPG Folder. And it's like that RPG folder we all have or that RPG folder that we've got in our d- delete folder. 
the whole idea is they're going through that old RPG folder we all have that's just got a bunch of RPG stuff piled in there that you may never, never have really taken time to look at. So they're, they're these kind of mini reviews of, uh, of all this just, you know, gaming oddity and bric-a-brac. I say bric-a-brac, I don't mean it to sound like this stuff is insubstantial. I mean, it's got like the Azurth Adventurer's Digest from Hydrocopter, a bunch of cool stuff. But the point is, it's stuff that they never really dug too deeply into, and it's like mini-reviews of a bunch of stuff. And that's how this came up, the Atlas of Titan. A 380-page massive compilation of maps from the Fighting Fantasy uh, Alancia setting. So, uh, so anyway, uh, I know some of, my, some of the anchorites from overseas that are we're into fighting fantasy and stuff and are still into it would like to check this out so the atlas of titan some of the miscellaneous stuff today really could have been final topic material but uh, i got something else i wanted to do with rob uh but anyway I, i'm starting a couple the first couple of things are are kind of uh they kind of relate we talked about money and gaming and stuff i beat that horse i beat that dead horse a few times um but there were a couple, a couple of things that came up. Uh, one, one is at the Renaissance Gamer blog, renaissancegamer.ca. Some thoughts on $300 dice. And uh, it's talking about this uh, Wizards of the Coast metal dice set they're doing for D&D's 45th anniversary. And I'll go ahead and tell you, it's $300 for the dice. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh for and it's not a bunch of dice it's a it's a single set of dice now it is it's metal dice and uh on the on the d20 it's got a sapphire set into one of them um and uh it's also got a display box some stats for a sapphire dragon and this kind of thing. They're only releasing 1,974 sets, like in honor of D&D being in 1974. And and anyway, so in this post, uh, Renaissance Gamer says they don't have a problem with it, but then they kind of do have a problem with it. You know, they, they say that their issue is that the only thing they seem to be doing to celebrate 45 years of D&D is this $300 dice set. And they talk about how there's, you know, apparently... I don't know where they get this number, but it sounds about right. Maybe even low. There's an estimated 13.7 million folks playing D&D worldwide right now. And that this is only, uh, you know, by the math, that means, you know, one in about 7,000 would get their hands on this. And uh, so it's kind of, you know, and I don't disagree with that. But, I mean, 45 is not, I mean, it's kind of sounds like a bigger number, you know, like a more even or more traditional type number to celebrate than it is you know i might imagine the 50 year there'll be maybe more stuff you know 45 year it might as well be the 46 year D D. to me it doesn't you know that they're I, I guess what i'm saying is for them to even do anything for the 45th anniversary doesn't make a ton of sense um does anybody celebrate the 45th of something other than like a wedding anniversary or you know, your birthday um, so to me, it's just all a money grab, <laughs> you know? uh, you know, $300 for the 45th anniversary. That's kind of just a meaningless, uh, you know, not a traditional date you usually celebrate. I do talk about, um, they say at a time when the hobby as a whole is working to be more inclusive, 
Watsy Marketing decides on a celebration driven by FOMO and elitism. And I had to look up what FOMO was, and it means fear of missing out. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I felt a little bit more of the FOMO or whatever it is looking at that Monty Cook Invisible Sun box than I did looking at this. I don't know. I mean, I don't think the dice looked that great, to be honest with you. So that's, that's maybe part of it. Like I don't know what, wouldn't really, you know, and the, having a tiny little sapphire in one of the dice doesn't mean anything to me. So I guess what I'm saying is for me, it's, it's $300 that I've never even thought of. I mean, even, even if I was a millionaire, um, I wouldn't buy the dice set cause I just don't think it looks that good. So I think it's just a, you know, not a very good product more than anything else. And it's a kind of a meaningless anniversary. Just, it really is an excuse for them to sell you a $300 die set. Um, so anyway, if you want to hear a Renaissance gamer kind of, you know, uh, taking it to Watsy on this $300 die set, you can go over to renaissancegamer.ca. Uh, the other thing that kind of tied in with the, uh, with the money, I saw this at, uh, at dragons.ie, um, desks and dragons. It's Eric, uh, Eric Newton. Uh, actually, I've mentioned this blog several times, and, and here it's saying become an Air D&D Dungeon Master. And um, and they say they're a Dungeon Master on Airbnb experiences. Um, it's If you're not aware of Airbnb experiences, it's part of a global lodging marketplace that puts visitors in touch with local hosts, offering food tastings, hikes, workshops, you name it. And uh, And so... You know, if someone's coming into town or whatever and wants to play some D&D, the idea here being you can be an Air D&D Dungeon Master. So I just thought this was interesting. It's got tips to host a great Air D&D experience, which to me are, are really just good tips to, uh, you know, for, for anybody, a lot of them. But, uh, uh, you know, or co- kind of like convention type tips and everything, you know, be prepared, be snazzy. Um, be mindful of the time, find a good venue, be a nice guide. Um, it says a cater to the audience, literally cater it's something they haven't tried yet, but some experiences on Airbnb offer food and drinks as part of the package. It's kind of interesting. Like, um, I'm so like analog or something, I guess in this situation, maybe that's not the right word for it, but I know like nothing about Airbnb. Like I'm still like, look for a hotel deal. Um, so even looking for someone else to like give me an experience when I go into town or whatever, it's just something that I don't know. Am I, maybe it's just, I'm, I'm old as dirt or I'm just out of touch. I'm definitely both of those, but, uh, but it was just a, I thought it was just an interesting, um, angle to make some money, uh, to be, a air, Airbnb experience, you know, Air D&D paid GM. So, yeah, I'm not knocking it, you know. They're, they're, you know, they call it the gig economy. People with these side hustles and everything. Uh, now I've seen paid GM angles, uh, you know, charging people a little bit to run online, uh, going a corporate route, you know, doing team building exercises and stuff like that. And now you've got Air D&D experiences so people getting creative out there to make some money off of D and you know go for it all right so this was cool the sage gm 
thesagedm.blogspot.com. Uh, let me see if I got a name for this. Mike Whitaker. So I like this post a lot. Using battle system in D&D 5e. And so this is pretty cool. It's using the old battle system box set. Um, and taking it, the mass combat rules from there, and it converts it into, um, into 5e. It says, you know, it was, it was written for first edition AD&D. And as such, it uses old style, lowers better AC and Thaco and calculations. And it kind of converts it with the battle system rules to give you a uh, 5e version of the calculation. So you can just take your old battle system box set and still plug it into to 5e. So really cool idea, especially given that I've got the battle system box. And so uh, anyway, neat idea, kind of a cool way to use an old product with 5e. So I like that. That's at the sagedm.blogspot.com. Finally, on the miscellaneous, this was something I, I thought about doing a, uh, a final topic on or, or Five Minute Friday, but uh, an interesting idea or thought, rather, Lord Gwydion, Lord G-W-Y-D-I-O-N.blogspot.com. Um, this is Dennis LaFay's blog. It's come up before. It's called What Does a GM Guide Need? And they're talking about their game they're working on, Treasures, Serpents, and Ruins. Uh, they say they really need a new name unless they want to release regular TSR, which is just another vanilla. Oh, yeah, so it stands for... I didn't even notice that. Treasure of Serpents and Ruins stands for TSR. That's cool. I, I, hey, Dennis, if you're listening, I like that name. That's cool. But but anyway, they're talking about piecing together a GM guide, and they asked the question, you know, what does a GM guide really need? Um, so they're thinking about what goes into a good GM guide, and that's a really good question, isn't it? Um, you know, the DMG, that original DMG is my favorite, but so much of the stuff in there is, is absolutely not needed at all, but that's what makes it good. You know, that's what ma- it's good because it has a million things that you might never use, but are just really weird and strange and obscure and idiosyncratic. And that's why I like it. Other games don't need a DMG at all. You know, if you're not going to go the weird route with it, if you're not going to get that into it, the only things you can really, you know, you really need might be magic items and, you know, stuff that you don't want the players to see, you know. As far as uh, the rules of the game, those are generally now in players' handbooks, so it's not like you're keeping the players from knowing, you know, how to hit something anymore, you know what I'm saying? So kind of an interesting question because if you answer it like, what does it really need? Meaning, you know, what literally does it have to have? You don't end up with a ton of material and very, there's very little of it. You would actually need to separate. But if it's the question is, what does a, a GM guide need? As far as, you know, my opinion in my perfect world, the GM guide needs all kinds of inspiration material. It needs to be kind of endlessly filled with stuff that I might never use. It needs to have all kinds of alternate rules and everything else. And, and I, I think they, I gotta say, I think they did a pretty good job with the 5e DMG. Um, it has a lot of alternate rules in there and, and things like that, that are, um, you know, that are not necessary for the game. Like you don't need the DMG to play um 5e but uh it's filled with some alternate ideas i think it's a pretty good book uh, a lot of people give praise to the 4e dmg and i think you know historically they've done all right with the dmg but 
but never have they done anything and you know quite like that first edition where um where it's just such bizarre stuff where it really does feel like stuff for the gm only you know um it's much more than just the you know random tables to hit tables and 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 um and items and stuff it uh um, so I don't know. That's an interesting question for anybody out there to think about. Uh, what does a GM guide need for you? Or do you like it clean and, and just basic and to the point, come up with all that stuff yourself? Or do you like these just bloated tomes full of weirdness that you might never use? Hmm? Hey, all right. it's going to work. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can Am hear I clear? You. Yep. I think we're clear. Okay, great. Great. All right. So thrilled again to be joined by Rob C from the down in a heat podcast. I came on the show a few weeks ago and thrilled to have you on again, Rob, Rob, I forgot to mention when I emailed you earlier that this is also like the end of the year hump day bloggerama spectacular, the one year anniversary. So Woo-hoo! I appreciate very <laughs> much. appreciate. Rob. Yeah. Yeah, I know you just had a one-year anniversary of your uh, the, the Down in the Heat podcast, so congratulations are in order to you as well. So. Yeah, we got started at around the same time. Yeah, you had a little bit of a head start, but uh, I guess first, you know, we're going to get to the topic, but, you know, I, I should have maybe mentioned that. I wasn't even thinking earlier. I was just thinking about scheduling and everything, but any reflections on, on the – first year of the podcast or anything like that that uh, you've been thinking about um (laughs) i wish i had something profound to say but i you know it gets easier obviously the more you do it um when i first started out i felt really awkward just talking into my phone and stuff and it's still it's it's a lot more um comfortable and i think sometimes fruitful having discussions like this where i'm you know having a conversation but the cool thing about the podcast we do too is a lot of times you get calls and have these discussions and that's kind of how I think a lot of us like to think of it. Yeah. I don't know if I would have, I mean, I'd like to think I would have stuck with it without the, um, the kind of social angle that, that anchor gives it, but, uh, but I don't know if I would have, or it wouldn't have been as, as good. It wouldn't have felt as good, uh, being, you know, being able to call in on each other and that we it kind of gets into that into the final topic um that kind of angle of things so uh what rob and i were going to talk about uh is this article i saw over at slideflourish.com and this is mike shea's blog probably doesn't need too much introduction to a lot of listeners probably best known for their lazy dungeon master um products and i've been aware of uh, of mike's um, blogging and stuff, you know, going back into fourth edition and the name of the post is called playing D and D can save your life, which to a cynical old guy like me, um, you know, can just that sentence alone, playing D and D can save your life might come across as a little, well, certainly clickbaity, but maybe just a little over dramatic. But I found on reading it that there were a lot of good points in here and stuff, you know, that I agreed with. And then ultimately, it's not probably not that, you know, not an exaggeration um, to say that. Um, And certainly for a lot of different people, um, I would think it it could very well be be the case. 
Um, so Rob, before I get into the specifics on it, what were your overall thoughts when you, when you read this? I, you know, I think you summed it up fairly well. I'm also a cynical old dude and, and it's, uh, it did kind of come across as a little bit. Oh yeah. Right. But yeah, I think a lot of the points he made in the article did ring true. And if you do sit and think about it, you know, I don't know how many lives it saves, but I, I think it definitely enriches people's lives, which, and, you know, uh, very likely could be putting you in a better emotional state that makes you live longer or makes you want to live, you know? So maybe not an exaggeration. Yeah. And so the, the article, um, it goes through and talks a little bit about a study <laughs> that talks about how the, the quality of relationships matters uh, more towards happiness and health than, than other factors, you know, that being lonely, there's some study that it's kind of like the equivalent of being a very heavy smoker. And it talks about, uh, talks a little bit about difficulty in finding adult friends and how it connects you to people. Um, it talks about, um, a little bit about, you know, how to keep a game together and find a good game. The, 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 the couple of things that I wanted to mention first, was one thing that jumped out at me is because I, I heard it somewhere else recently and I can't remember exactly where, but there was some study about like the endorphins and stuff in the brain, the human brain. And it's almost like the anticipation for things. We get more pleasure out of the anticipation than actually doing something like they're talking, you know, somehow done the anticipation, the way your brain works when we're getting ready to open a present or something is it, it, we have more pleasure from that feeling than we do of the actual, you know, once we have the present and also talking about how important it is to be able to be looking forward to something like I've got like a vacation coming up in May that it's kind of like, you know, I'll be damned if I die. Before <laughs> <vacation>. <laughs> and I was thinking about it and it's tied to gaming because I've been playing in this game I really enjoy on the weekends and I'm always looking forward to it. And mm -hmm. so there's gotta be some truth psychologically to that about, you know, your well being and feeling good when you, when you're having things to look forward to. And with a game RPG, you're always looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and similar, I think to like looking forward to a new um, movie coming out or a new book that, you know, is on the horizon or uh, like, back when we were younger a new album coming out from a favorite band or something yeah yeah no i remember that i remember that too <laughs> now that albums. doesn't seem yeah, albums <laughs> <laughs> the cover art the seamless transition from song to song in uh, some kind of storytelling fashion yeah albums did uh did y'all have t uh, turtles was that your record store or or no, no, we didn't have no. that. We had, we had, it was called Turtles. It was like a chain. So I know it was in multi-states, but, but you would get these little stamps each time you bought something and they give you this book to fill out. Mm -hmm. And so you're always trying to get that stamp book filled to go and get, go and get the album. That's cool. what I'll always remember. Um, now, something it, it also talks about, it mentions like gaming online and everything. Um, which I, I, I'm really thankful for the ability to game online. It's allowed me to play with people all over the world and play more than I, than I, than I could have. 
one thing I was thinking about this is it's, it's so often the case that you hear about um, with social media that, um, you know, it has a negative effect on people's mental health and everything. You're seeing, you know, the, the guy down the street with the Corvette or, you know, people with these, you know, perfect lives or they're portraying themselves as having perfect lives. And, and it, and it you know, supposedly helps, makes people feel more isolated you know, uh, and I'm sure that is the case in some way with social media, but, um, you know, and this ties in a little bit where they're talking about meeting people when you're adults, you know, for me, gaming and social media has just been great because I've met so many people like yourself, Rob, you know, yeah. where we don't really know each other in real life, but you, you meet these people, you meet these friends and, and it, it's a really positive thing. I would, I agree totally with that. I don't, I don't game online, but yeah, this, uh, this process of having the podcast and meeting people through that meeting people through the audio dungeon discord has been nothing but positive experiences for me. Yeah. And it just, uh, it's just another way that gaming opens you up to, to people that you, 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 you wouldn't have known otherwise. And, and uh, as the article mentions, it's just important to have relationships like that. You know, I don't know for me, getting back i know we both had a big lapse in gaming getting back into it too it it it's definitely made my life better and i mean i've it's it's made my wallet thinner um <laughs> it hasn't it hasn't made me any thinner <laughs> yeah the cheetos and mountain dew uh, you know <laughs> but uh it um it's give it, you know, it just gives you something else to do, which I imagine, you know, for, for other folks might be gardening or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But well, well, like you say though, or um, I don't mean to be leading, but in the, in the discussion talking about having like these long-term relationships that revolve around gaming and lap and the, and the gap we had in gaming, I mean, I had all these guys that I used to game with in high school and shortly after high school. And we, when we stopped gaming, I kind of lost a lot of them. And then when we started gaming again, lo and behold, we all started getting together and uh, reestablishing those long, long kind of uh, slumbering friendships. Oh, well, that's awesome. Cause I don't, um, I still know a lot of the people I gamed with, but, um, some of them have moved on to different things to the point where they, they just wouldn't be into it. Others um, might be into it, but they're so many time zones away that it would be like playing with someone in Portugal or something. It just doesn't work, but yeah. Right. Um, I, but still, you know, built friendships around that time that are, are still t together. That's awesome to be able to reconnect with people you game with that long, that long ago, but that shows you the power of it. It really makes such a powerful imprint on you, especially when you start, I think, as a kid. Yeah. Just, just, man, I tell you, the monster manual and stuff, I mentioned this before, but those images just bam into my brain to where I can, I look at them decades later and it's bam right straight back. You know, it's such a powerful thing. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's the, the shared experience and like you're saying it's it's across the sensory pattern or whatever it's it's visual it's audio it's um you can almost uh, i mean you're you're injecting yourself into this 
this story in this other world that only you and a few other people know about. And, uh, and it builds that circle of camaraderie almost, I think a little bit like sports, but almost on a more in depth, in depth level too than sports, at least my sports experience, but yeah, my sports experience was mainly sitting the pine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I was all right. I I guess basketball was my, was my, my best, but football, you know, I definitely didn't feel like part of the team. (laughs) Might as well well throw the jock straps at me. (laughs) So what what character from your Froth University would you have been? Oh, I mean, I wasn't a nerd. I mean, you know, I wasn't like (laughs) I I don't know. Maybe maybe the closest to a delinquent, but I guess a delinquent (laughs) making good grades. I don't know. Well, yeah, That's... I was definitely the delinquent. So, um, now one thing that it got into a little bit is like a section called "Love the Ones You're With," and it says because this is something I've never experienced, and I just I don't think you have either, but I just thought we might mention it. But it says uh, just like our human need for social relationships to be happy and healthy in our lives, we have other instincts that push us away from that benefit. What if our group isn't as good as another group? And it starts talking about this whole Mercer effect, so-called Mercer effect. This, you know, Matt Mercer, the GM for for this popular Critical Role show, and um, you know, you hear people. I don't even know if you ever heard of this, Rob, but the Mercer effect yeah. apparently is where people, uh, you know expect their game want and expect their game to be exactly like this critical role show or be perfect. And, 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 and some GMs end up feeling inadequate or some people feel disillusioned when their experience at the table isn't the same way as something that to me, that's like expecting everything to be like something you saw on TV or, you know, sex to be exactly like porn or, you know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah. I don't know. any thoughts on that or is that even worth well I, I guess i experienced it just a little bit in that so one of the guys in our group his daughter plays with us and she's a huge critical role fan so when i was when i was first dming for her i was kind of thinking well man i hope she's not like comparing <laughs> my style to matt mercer or something hmm. a little bit of that kind of feeling at first, but, and I don't, you know, I never really had a conversation with her about it to see like, if that was some expectation she had, I don't think it was. And she's still gaming. So it's not like, uh, you know, that had any adverse impact on her. So. Yeah. I guess I think that the, the healthy way for anybody to approach is uh, like when I look at, you know, I, I don't watch a ton of Critical Role. I have seen him GM um, a, a couple of celebrity things. They were they were actually really entertaining because they had like the guy that played I forget his name, the guy that played uh, Shaggy from the Scooby Doo movies. <laughs> he he was in uh, the new Twin Peaks uh, as well and was really really good in it. I'm sorry I'm forgetting their name, but um, you know, so it was like some you know some some actors and um, and everything, and it was entertaining. 
and, and there's some other shows that, I, that I've liked, but w- w- for me, when I see someone do something really good as a GM, like whether I'm sitting at their table or watch them play or whatever, I'm looking for ways that I can, you know, improve or a trick that I can take. It, yeah, I guess exactly. Rather than getting this inadequacy feel feeling or, 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 or but, um, but I imagine for some of, for some people, maybe they're just way younger and it's different because I forget it's easy to forget what I was like when I was like adolescent and everything's, you know, stuff that barely matters now would seem life or death or whatever. So I guess right. I have to keep that in mind. Right. Um, well, and I think when, when you're younger too, the, the game is new and novel. So it's even if you can't do voices like Matt Mercer, still just the, the kind of magical quality of the game takes over and is so novel. I think all the, the younger kid, you know, I, I call them kids, but they're, you know, teens and twenties or whatever that I've played with uh, have always, you know, just seem taken with the game right away. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been playing with young kids too. There's, and even play, it's funny, you know, even had my mom join a game, you know, she was curious about it. Mm-hmm. she you know you know she kind of bought into some of the satanic stuff back in the day you know what i mean but now mm-hmm. she got in the game and she was like they fought these goblins and she was like can i slash its throat <laughs> i swear brings the murder hobo out in mom <laughs> Times have changed. Times have changed. So, but anyway, I guess uh, the the reason I wanted to end, uh, you know, with this as the topic for kind, you know, for kind of the end of the year, sort, you know, it kind of fits with kind of the time of the year, some kind of like positivity, and just it, it. I thought what what it really does is it did kind of underline the, you know, the power of RPGs to be a really just positive thing in people's lives. And, you know, we're, we're talking about Thanksgiving, what we're thankful for. We're spending time yeah. with friends and family. It, uh, you know, not to sound too sappy or anything, but it's just, it's a, just a really special thing about life. Um, and I'm just, you know, anyway, so that's, that's why I wanted to, to bring you on to, to chit chat about it. So, yeah, I think, I think that's a good call. It's, uh, it is anything that brings your fr- circle of friends and or family together and, you know, to spend time with one another, having a good time. That's, that's all good. Something to be thankful for. I also, I swear, I don't know if I'm, I may have mentioned this to you before, I mentioned it before, but I, I do have this fantasy about when I'm retired and I'm a, like maybe in a retirement community, just like being just like a hardcore war gamer, you know, all the old. <laughs> <laughs> really old guys you know i i picture that all the time when my parents live in a retirement home you know and they they play things like whist and pool and uh bridge and things like that so you'd be playing like Luft- thinking, <laughs> you'd be yeah, playing but- uh, luftwaffe that's right playing luftwaffe and d-day and Oh, I finally got time to roll out the Europa game. <laughs> Eastern Front Division based. I've got on. all the time in the world. <laughs> all the time in the world. 
Yep. All right. Well, I All think right. that's enough of it. Rob, I so much appreciate you, all, you you being on the show. And everybody, if you're not checking out the Down in a Heap show, it's one of the, my favorite absolute podcasts, one of my favorite people to talk to and interact with on here. So thank you so much, Rob. Oh, thanks for, for inviting me, Rob. Good to talk to you again. Absolutely. Talk all to right. you. Merry Christmas, Sam. To you. Bye. All right, so that was great. Special thanks to Rob C. from Down in a Heap for being on the show. That was uh, great stuff. Really appreciated that and uh, gave a special ending to uh, what I hope was a a special and fun show to listen to. Uh, You know, what can I say? Uh, I'm just, um, you know, I'm just really pleased with um, and and really happy and, and in some ways proud of uh, of the last year of doing this show. Uh, it brought together so many things I really enjoy. Um, these RPG blogs and, and sharing cool stuff with others and and uh, gave me a creative outlet. And um, I, I'm really looking forward to next year and and doing more stuff. I've got some some plans for the podcast, some plans for the Patreon, some things that I think are going to make some improvements and uh, will be some changes, but, but things that I think that will, will ultimately, um, make for even better entertainment. And, um, so I'm excited to see what happens as we kind of turn the page on this year. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you for supporters of the show. Thank you for folks back on my Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash thought eater. Just a dollar a month. If you're enjoying the stuff I do, uh, you can check that out. Special thanks as well to Frank T from Frank T's liner notes and patreon.com forward slash Frank T for supporting the program. Uh, just what else is there to say? Uh, this is a nice way to, to leave it, to take a couple weeks off to be with family and do some travel and everything. I hope that, uh, whoever you are, wherever you are, if you're getting together with friends and family, that you have a, a safe time, a happy time and a good time. If uh, you have any messages about any of the stuff we talked about on the program today, you can use the anchor app to message me or go to anchor.fm forward slash thought eater. I'd love to hear, no matter who you are, wherever you are, take a couple seconds, let me know what your New Year's gaming resolutions are, I'll put you on the show. I think I might be able to sneak in a five-minute Friday over the next couple weeks, but uh, otherwise it'll be kind of radio silence, so I just wish you and your families the best. And uh, Logan, take us out of here. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade Zeroing in on your mental trade Gonna help you escape from the grind Thought eater gonna blow your mind